0: Good morning, church family. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and worshiping with us this morning. Uh, Thank you, Kyle and Macy, for leading us in worship. Uh, What a joy it is to have uh, folks that will uh, lead us into the throne room of God and be ready to hear uh, from God's Word. uh, I just want to encourage you uh, to keep tuning in. And um, I know God is using this uh, series out of James. Uh, He's using it in my life. He's using it in a lot of people's lives. And so uh, we're going to be again this morning in uh, James chapter 2, and we're going to hopefully finish out the chapter. Uh, But I know that uh, God is using this uh, in my life, and I'm very thankful for that. I want to talk this morning about a faith that works. And um, really, you know, just talking about faith, um, Chuck Swindoll, uh, he said that uh, faith is like calories. Um, You can't see them, but you can always see the results of them. And uh, I think that's a, that's a good way to, to view faith. Uh, I don't believe there's been a, a better definition of faith written uh, than the one we find in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance, the substance of things hoped for, and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. And so when we talk about faith, uh, that's exactly what it is. Faith is the means of by which the unseen things of God become real to us, uh, it helps us to, with with spiritual eyes, to see those things of God. It's the means by which we lay hold of our salvation. It's the it's it's how we receive answers to our prayers. And it's how we accomplish great things uh, for God. Um, if you read in. Hebrews 11, the, the roll call of faith there is by faith, by faith, by faith. All of these things happen by faith. And what a blessing it is that we have faith. And uh, this gift from God that, that helps us to, to, uh, uh, for the unseen things of God to become real in our lives. Uh, I want to read in James chapter 2 as we begin. Uh, James chapter 2 beginning in verse 14. And I'm going to read down through verse 26, so it's a little lengthier passage, but uh, stick with me and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it. But uh, James writes this in verse 14 of chapter 2 and following. He says, "'What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith save him?' "'If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food,' And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, if it has no works, excuse me, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Verse 18, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But you are willing to recognize, excuse me, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working in with his works, and as a result of works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works, and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for this time and I I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth, uh, that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts and illuminate your word for us, so that, Father, we might clearly see what, you, what it is you want to teach us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you have preserved it and, and, and brought it and given it to us. And I ask, God, that we would just open our hearts uh, to hear from you this morning. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, basically James is saying here, you know, uh, he's comparing two things. A faith with works versus a faith with words. A faith of words. And so James has already warned us uh, back in chapter 1 against empty religion, uh, which is impure. And here he warns us against an inactive faith, uh, which is impotent, uh, has no power. You know, Martin Luther uh, he labeled James as a, a a right strawy epistle, is what he said, and uh, meaning that he felt like it lacked a solid biblical doctrine. You know, Luther's battle cry during the Reformation was justification by faith alone, uh, sola fide. And uh, you know, I, I know that uh, as we read uh, in Paul's writings, like uh, for instance to the Romans, we we pull this out and we we get this. So in Romans chapter four, uh, verses four and five, it says, "Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly." His faith is credited as righteousness. I think that is a huge verse, uh, two verses, in, in, uh, when we're talking about works, because there is nothing we can do to gain God's favor. It is, it is, it is all on Him, and, and His mercy, His grace, if we could earn it, it wouldn't be mercy and grace. It would be our wages that were due. But when we trust in him, it's credited as righteousness. When we put our faith in him, it's credited as righteousness. So a couple of quick important differences here between what Paul is saying and what James is saying. Um, And the difference is on the emphasis. I mean, Paul is stressing uh, the root of salvation. Uh, Faith in Christ plus nothing. Okay, sola fide, faith alone. James stresses the fruit of, After salvation, the works, the things that bear fruit in our lives. So it's a matter of emphasis, but it's also a matter of perspective. I mean, Paul looks at life from God's perspective, and James looks at life from a human perspective. I mean, Paul is sitting in the den, staring at the fire in the fireplace. James is up on the roof, eyeing the smoke coming out of the chimney. He can't even see the fireplace. He's seeing the results of what has happened. Paul is talking about faith being uh, faith alone in Christ with nothing else. James is talking about faith plus works is what actually bears the fruit. So to James, the world should be able to tell that faith burns in our hearts by the works they see coming out of our lives. I think that's huge because many times we we see other believers and we really don't see uh, any fruit in their lives. I really like how uh, Griffith Thomas's view of these two, he says they're not soldiers of differing armies uh, fighting against each other. He said they're soldiers of the same army fighting back to back at enemies coming from opposite directions. So James and Paul, they don't contradict each other in what they're saying. They actually complement each other. So we are justified before God by faith but we're justified before men with works. See, because God can see our faith, but men can only see our works, our good deeds. Paul was explaining how one gains entrance into salvation, and James was examining how one gives evidence of it. So I would say to you this morning, I would suggest that a faith that works is a functioning faith. And I I use that word functioning because it's doing something. Um, Two rhetorical questions. Can someone have genuine faith but not have works in their life? I would ask you the uh, follow-up question. (laughs) What good is it to have a driver's license if you don't drive? I mean, the answer is none. I mean, I guess you could use it for ID, but the idea is is, is if you're not planning on driving, you don't need a driver's license. A workless faith is a worthless faith. If it's not doing something in your life, in other people's life, then what good is it? What difference does it make? Second question, can that sort of faith save this person from condemnation? And the answer to that is no. Empty faith is words without action, a profession without performance. We read about this over in First uh, John. You remember John, uh, the apostle, he, he walked with Jesus, and in First John three, this is what he says, verse 17 and, and 18. He said, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. See, I would submit to you today that a faith that works uh, can be illustrated, and that's really what James is doing for us in this second chapter. See, we're not to be indifferent, but we're to be involved. It's, it's indifference versus being involved. And, um, you know, we've all received empty platitudes instead of real help. You know, you're, you're pouring out your soul to somebody and they just say, well, have faith. Or keep a stiff upper lip or uh, even I'll, I'll pray for you, bro. You know, if they don't mean it, why say it? I'll be praying for you bro. I mean it's like pray for us now. Do something to it. give it, give it, give it feet right now. See true saving faith is seen in activity. Faith isn't something you only talk about, it's something that motivates your life so that it causes you to think of others and really to serve others. The things, the possessions that, that God has given you aren't just to consume on your own lust and, and enjoyment and desires. It's to be a blessing to others as well. And so when when God places something in your hand, he gives you enough for what you need, but he gives you an abundance so that you can be a blessing to others along the way. Verse 15 and 16 uh, in James 2 tells us that a faith that goes beyond words, uh, it's a faith that goes beyond words and reaches out to the needy. (laughs) It's almost like sending them out with words like, oh, uh, don't forget your lunch and wear a warm sweater. You know, that's what a mother would say to her child. But she would also hand them their lunch and hand them their sweater. See, in this case, the one living from hand to mouth finds that we bless with our mouth but have nothing in our hands. Our hands are empty. This is especially cruel, and I want to say deeply hypocritical. When these empty words have been spoken, the person that we've spoken them to still lacks both food and clothing. The words do not warm his body, nor do they fill his stomach, and these pious-sounding words truly are worthless." You know, someone said that the first Reformation was about creeds, but the new Reformation will be about deeds, doing the things that need to be done. The Christian doctrine is settled. No Reformation is needed there, but what does need reforming now are Christian actions, learning how to be more the hands and feet of Christ in a world and less of a mouth or a talking head. In other words, assisting the poor, actually doing something, Caring for the sick, evangelizing and discipling the next generation. You know, bringing to them a Jesus gospel. One in which he cares for others and loves them and, and shows that by his actions. See, if it's a faith that fails to produce good deeds, it's a dead and useless faith. I would say, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. You know, what we say with our mouths is really a sampling of what's in our heart. James says, if our words are empty, so is our faith. See, we're not to be independent, but we're to be in a partnership. You know, like the song, Love and Marriage. (laughs) That last stanza, it says, love and marriage, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. And then it ends with, and you can't have one without the other. Faith and works go together. They're in partnership. It's kind of like the boatman who had painted faith on one oar and works on the other. And when people would ask him why, he'd pull one of them in and paddle in a circle. If you don't use both oars, you make no progress as a Christian. You're just going around in a circle. It takes faith and works, both of them, to move forward in the kingdom. See, our works, they reveal our faith, but they don't create it. It's not invisible. Our faith is not invisible, but it, it should be on display. That's what he says in verse 18. But someone may well say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The word show there means it's on display, on exhibit. But I want you to meet James' two imaginary friends, if you will. He creates an imaginary conversation between two people. And the first friend says, uh, Do your best to show me your faith without using words, and I'll show you uh, my faith by my works. Then we'll see which one has the real deal. You know, some people might say things like, You know, there are all kinds of Christians... Some of them have the gift of works. Others are quiet, never displaying their faith. <laughs> when I hear that, it makes me think about, you know, it's like saying some people have the gift of breathing and others don't. I mean, we all need both, faith and works. You know, James's whole point is if it doesn't show, then you don't have it. Think of it like this. If a man tells his wife, excuse me, if a man tells his kids, I love your mother. But he never kisses her, he never shows her affection, or never takes her out, or never buys her flowers, or never brings her a cup of coffee in bed. His kids can doubt that he really loves her. But if his kids know for certain that he really loves her, even if he, they never hear him say that out loud... You know, if he kisses her and shows her affection and takes her out and buys her flowers and brings her coffee in bed, his actions prove <clears throat> excuse me, that he loves her. Similarly, someone who never says they have faith can demonstrate that they really do have faith by the fact that their works accompany that faith. Even so, James, he says faith without works is dead meaning that it's inoperative, it just doesn't work. It's dead in the same way that a flashlight with worn-out batteries can be dead. Or we might say, you know, things like, well, our cell phone died. A dead cell phone is useless in the same way that a faith without works is dead. See, words of blessing without acts of love are dead and faith that doesn't have works is also dead because it doesn't do what it is proposed to do that is to bring about salvation we talk about faith we are saved by faith um, in our in our trust in jesus christ if that work isn't there, if the faith is not there, faith without works is dead. And, and, you know, this, when James is talking about this, he's saying that, you know, all of the doctrinal, all of the doctrinal uh, correctness uh, is no substitute for faith without works. Because it's not intellectual, but rather it's from the heart we talk about loving God and loving others as ourselves, loving our neighbors. It's from the heart. And, and, you know, it's in verse 19, we meet his second friend. He says, you believe that God is one. And he's probably quoting, you know, the Shema there, uh, that, that, you know, statement of faith for the, for the Hebrews. Um, you know, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And, uh, You know, it's kind of like the person's defense against not having any works is to hide behind an impressive knowledge of God's word. That's what he says. You believe that God is one. He's saying, you know what God's word says. You know, it might say, sound something like this. My theology is impeccable. I believe that God is one, just like it says in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Wonderful, James says. Join hands with the demons. (laughs) Demons have their religious facts straight, but they're still demons. And that's really what he's saying there in verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. See, there's one distinction, though. And that is that the demonic tribes tremble at the thought of God. It says they shudder, they tremble. We're talking about maybe a rough, uneven surface. We're talking about goosebumps. They tremble at God. See, the dead faith of the religious intellectual doesn't even produce that much of a reaction. If you take away the element of application, you're only left with mere uh, intellectual assent. I have to ask a question here. Do you still think it's enough just to believe that there is one God? Faith without activity is just like the demons. It's empty and barren devil faith. Unused faith. Unused faith is useless faith. What's it good for? kind of like a driver's license if you never drive. So I have to ask this question. How profitable is my faith by the test of James's illustration? I mean, let's just lay our works out on the table for a moment. How profitable is your faith by the test of James's illustration? It's a fair question. We need to ask that. We need to be examined that way. And I would say an even deeper question is, how does my faith differ from that of the demons? It says they believe. You believe, I believe. What's the difference? The difference comes in the fruit. The difference comes in the works that we do through the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 21 and following here, James now illustrates uh, his argument by reference to two very different, I want to say opposite people, and that their works proved their faith. Now, Abraham was the father of the Jewish uh, of the Jewish nation of, of the Jews, and Rahab was a pagan prostitute. Abraham was a moral, uh, admired, uh, Jewish patriarch. Rahab was a Gentile harlot from Jericho who was looked on with disdain and considered insignificant. But both of them evidenced the same kind of faith. It says that Abraham in Genesis 15 was saved by faith. But he proved that faith by obeying God and offering his son. Genesis 22. On the other hand, you see Rahab. She was saved by trusting God. We read about this in in Hebrews 11, verse 31. But she showed the reality of her faith by protecting the spies and by lending aid to the Israelite army out of Joshua 2 and Joshua 6. Understand, their faith was demonstrated. It was something that could be seen. And it says in Hebrews 11 that by faith, it it was reckoned to them as righteousness, both of them. And I love that. So in, in verse 26, the very last verse of this chapter, it says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Closing principle here is pretty simple. When there is separation, when there is separation, it means death. So when we see faith and works separated, it means death. It's true physically. When the soul separates from the body, death is what happens. I've had the sacred honor of being in the room three times in my ministry when I've seen that actually happen. And when that happens, it is a very sacred moment. And the thing is, is death occurs when the separation takes place. Up until then that person is there, they're they're uh, they're alive, they may, may be fighting for, for life, they may be there, but once that separation takes place, they are no longer there. It is it is the tent, it is the only the tent that's left. And death has occurred in this separation. It's true spiritually when faith is separated from works. Faith, that's why he says faith without works is dead. They go together. They're created together to be together. And when they're separated, it's dead. Without works, faith among you is nothing but a corpse. Without works. Void of vitality and useless to everybody but the undertaker. I mean, really, that's what we're talking about. So what results do you see in your life this morning? Genuine faith is involved. Is yours? Genuine faith is in partnership. Is yours? Genuine faith is displayed. Is yours? And genuine faith is from the heart. Is yours? See, early on I called it functioning faith. What would you call it? Active faith? Intentional, authentic, real, genuine, expressive, demonstrative, friendly, affectionate. There's all these different ways you can use to describe genuine faith. Really, when we consider this passage in its context, we find a biblical truth that needs to be boldly proclaimed rather than sheepishly avoided. See, modern theology has created the lie of easy believism. We've cheapened the gospel to nothing more than maybe raising a hand or repeating a prayer or going through the baptismal waters. What is that type of faith grounded in? Is it a faith that's grounded in a preacher? Or in baptism? Or in making sure you say the right words? I want you to hear this. Because personal regeneration, being born again, comes from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ when conviction has gripped our hearts. When we know that we don't have what we need, when we know that we have not done right, when we know that we have sinned against God, and that conviction comes into our heart, and we understand that it's only by faith in Jesus Christ that we will be saved, that we are regenerated and transformed into a new creature. You see, we have to see ourselves in need of Christ and Him alone. Not in going through the ritual of, of saying the right words or lifting your hand or going walking down the aisle of a church. Sometimes people have made a profession with no possession, and their lives reveal no fruit of salvation. See, this is what James means in his letter when he says, faith without works is dead. The fact that words do not follow, excuse me, works do not follow, is a certain sign that there is not faith, but only a dead thought or dream, maybe a a mere mental uh, assent To an idea which people falsely call faith. The heart of the matter is this. Saving faith gives evidence of itself in character and in good works. The choicest and most basic faith is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For out of that life-changing experience grows every other good work. If you've never done that, if you've never had that experience of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then all anything else is for naught. Because you're just going through the motions. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to understand something. That Jesus loves you very much. He loves you so very much and he wants to be your savior. I mean open your life up to him today through prayer. Asking him to come in to your heart to cleanse you from your sin, believing that he is the son of God and that confessing him as your savior and lord. God's word says when you do that, you will be saved. I invite you to do that this morning. Would you pray with me, loving Father? We thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, the the teaching that we see here, the truth of your word, and how James expressed that, that that faith without works is dead. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to to make sure that that our faith is a genuine faith, a real faith, an authentic faith. And Father, that if we've never come to that point of confessing Jesus as our Savior and Lord that you would help us to do that this morning. Father, it's all, it's all you. You draw us. Your Holy Spirit draws us to you. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict our heart because we need a Savior. In today's world, we need a Savior. So I pray that we would do that today. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do and knowing that your word will not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.